0: Hi, I'm Naomi Shaven. Welcome to Axios Recap, where we cover one big story. Today is Tuesday, December 14th, and we're focused on transitions of power. This week and next, I'm hosting conversations with my Axios colleagues about the biggest stories in their beats this year and what they're watching heading into 2022. Today, I'm talking with Elena Treen, a political reporter who covers Congress and co-writes the Axios sneak peek newsletter. 2021 was a really challenging year on her beat. The political year got off to a dramatic and dangerous start, and no one knows that better than Elena, who experienced it firsthand. She was in the Capitol on January 6th during the insurrection, and she ended up in hiding with a number of senators. Amidst that chaos, Elena sent dispatches back to the newsroom. She then went on to cover the transition of power from the Trump White House to the Biden administration, and how control of the Senate moved from Republicans to Democrats. Today, she's hyper-focused on legislative action on the Hill, and she's the best person to ask where things stand as we careen towards midterm elections next year. In a moment, I'll be joined by Elena to discuss what she witnessed and what it tells us about our current political moment. We're joined now by Elena Treen, Axios congressional reporter. Hi, Elena. Hi, Naomi. Thanks for having me on. This year in Washington was dramatic, to say the least. When the year started, President Trump was openly undermining the results of the election. Then there was an insurrection on the Capitol, and you were on the Hill that day. As the insurrection was unfolding, it also became official that Democrats had won control of the Senate, giving them control of Congress heading into President Biden's term— can you take us back to the beginning of the year? What was that time like for you as a congressional reporter?
1: Well, it was a really chaotic and uncertain time. Uh, we had come off of covering a you know very hectic and chaotic administration and uh, an even more so election. Um, and January six was kind of the culmination of a lot of what had been building over that past year. And it was kind of a turning point, I think, from the Trump administration and into the Biden administration. But I mean, just being on the Hill that day, it was scary. We had no idea what was going on. I had never covered anything like that ever before. And I know some of my colleagues on the Hill who've been covering Congress for decades um, and far longer than me. Also, it was an unprecedented thing for them. So a really scary time and something that I think really did shift, I mean, Throughout the Trump years, we had seen reporters covering, you know, being a political reporter, covering the White House, covering the president, become different and, and sometimes dangerous. And um, to be there on the Hill when the rioters breached the Capitol and came in was just terrifying. And, and I hope that it never happens again, but it has, you know, kind of set the stage for some of what we've seen continue now in, in American politics.
0: We're going to come back to the question of civility in American politics. But first, I just want to stay in January. We did see the peaceful transfer of power from the Trump administration to the Biden administration. And some things shifted right away, obviously. New members of Congress were also sworn in. So we saw the power swing from Republicans to Democrats in Washington. Also, some less obvious, less typical things happened. Like we saw, for example, that one senator from West Virginia can have a disproportionate amount of power in policy decision-making. How did the narrative on the Hill start to change at the beginning of this year?
1: Well, it changed in a lot of ways. Having it go from covering Trump to then Biden was very different. And then, of course, having Democrats rule the Senate was also a massive change. And it also really changed the dynamic On the Hill, I think, I mean, obviously politics for some time now has been very polarized, but to have a 50-50 Senate, even though Democrats technically have control, they are very limited in what they can do. And that's why we saw someone like Joe Manchin or Senator Kirsten Sinema have so much power in what Democrats are trying to do. And it's really... Given, I mean, President Biden has said this himself, that he has, you know, 50 presidents on the Hill because each of them do do have veto power. And we're seeing that now as they're trying to tackle a lot of these key Biden agenda pieces. That dynamic was really different and really started the administration off and the year off in a way that has been very contrasted to, to the years before under the Trump administration.
0: Let's dig into some of the legislation that Congress has been working through this year On the one hand, it seems like you could make the case that the scope and scale of the legislation that's been passed, like the Build Back Better plan, is just really massive. On the other hand, people have been criticizing Democrats for not doing enough while they have control of the White House and Congress. I'm curious how you think about this, Congress, just in terms of sheer productivity.
1: It's a great question. and how you framed it is exactly right. They've done a lot. We've seen so much money, so many different agenda items, um, you know, be the product of conversation this year. We saw from the 1.9 trillion American rescue plan and COVID relief to the 1.2 trillion infrastructure bill and now the 1.75 trillion build back better agenda. These are huge. I mean, this is, these are massive packages. I'm unprecedented historical, Amounts of money going toward these different areas. But at the same time, you're right. A lot of people did expect if if Democrats are controlling both chambers of Congress and the White House, why can't they get more done? And it does go back to that problem of the margins in Congress and having that 50 50 split in the Senate um, because the vote, of course, is you need 60 votes for normal legislation to get it passed. And so that dynamic has also created a lot of the gridlock that we're used to. And there is, I think, a level as well, more I'd say in current politics than ever before, where the polarization and the partisanship has really hit a fever pitch. And both sides don't want to give the other a win. Both sides are very reluctant to reach across the aisle and work with one one another and show any level of bipartisanship. And I will say too, I think that's an important point when you look at what President Biden ran on he promised unity he promised bringing the country back together again he promised trying to restore some of the relationships that felt broken during the Trump administration and it's been really hard for him to do that and we haven't really seen much of that in Congress
0: let's dig into the question of civility obviously productivity is one way to measure Congress um But when we think about bipartisanship and we think about reaching across the aisle, and to your point, we think about the things Biden promised, civility seems like another really important metric. And it doesn't seem like we could look at this year and say that civility in Congress, among people who are technically colleagues, is actually really improving. What have you seen this year? It's so true. It hasn't been improving. I
1: just had a conversation with a House aide where we were talking about how a lot of people expected there to be a return to some of that camaraderie. And really, if anything, it, it's it gone the other direction. And you're seeing that as well, um, particularly in the House. I mean, you have over 400 members, so there's always going to be a cast of characters, and there always has been a wide-ranging cast of characters. But particularly now, I mean, what we've seen with the rhetoric from members like Marty Taylor Greene and Lauren Bobart, and... The level of threats, I mean, we're looking at, obviously, after January six and around January six, um, threats being leveled against members spiked. We saw that with Liz Cheney being kicked out of her role as chairwoman of the House Republican Conference. I mean, just civility really isn't present like it used to be. And you used to go to to bars around town, to restaurants around the Hill and see Republican and Democratic lawmakers hanging out, having a beer, having a meal.
0: Again, far more rare these days than they ever used to be. How do you think some of the major events of this year and public opinion on them, the rollout of vaccines, policy wins and losses for the Biden administration, Biden's low approval ratings... How have these all set the stage heading into the midterms next year?
1: The messaging is going to be key as we head into the midterms. Biden does have a lot to run on, um, but his poll numbers are still sagging. He's still not at the place that the party, particularly a party that controls both chambers of Congress and the White House, thought that he would be in and it's going to be really interesting i think there's a lot of factors that they can't predict such as how will the economy be doing um and a lot of that has to do with the pandemic who knows if another variant omicron has really come around and and thrown um a wrench in some of their plans and so all of these things will be key as we head into the early months of next year and, and the 2022 cycle ramps up
0: elena before i let you go if I can just push you to get into the business of making predictions for a second, what do you think is going to happen in the midterms next year? Well, I'm not in the business
1: of making predictions, and I always try to avoid them, but it is a fair question. If I were, as of today, predicting what would happen, I think very likely Republicans are in control of the House at a minimum, if not the Senate as well. I think Democrats have a better chance of holding on to the Senate But yeah, I think Republicans are gonna do really well.
0: Alina Treen, congressional reporter for Axios, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Welcome back. I wanted to share a note about the show. Axios recap will be ending after this month, but we have you covered. Axios Today, our daily morning news show, is the best place to get caught up on the day's biggest stories in just 10 minutes. And to hear great interviews with our reporters and editors. Tomorrow morning, we'll share an episode of Axios Today in this feed so you can hear it. We hope you'll love making Axios Today and our host, Nyla Boodoo, a part of your morning. And I just want to say, thank you all for listening over the last few years. I've been on this show for two years and have loved hearing from our listeners. We appreciate that you made us a part of your day and followed us on this journey. It's been a great run, and we're excited to bring you the news you need to know and new stories in new ways in 2022. That's all from me. I'll be back tomorrow with another Axios recap.